0: Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark. And I welcome you to this podcast on the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is the priest, St. Jerome, one of the four great Western Fathers of the Church. He was born into an economically comfortable family around the year 345 in Striden, near the city of Emona present-day Ljubljana, the capital of Slovenia. Around the year 360, Jerome went to Rome and honed his study of Latin. During his studies, he defended Rufinus, an important figure in early Christian writings, and amassed an impressive library of Latin classics which he poured over with intense study. While studying in Rome he enjoyed a very worldly life, yet was intrigued by Christian texts and practices. In his commentary on the book of the prophet Ezekiel, Jerome writes, While I lived in Rome as a youngster and was being trained in the liberal arts, Together with others of my age who shared a common purpose, I used to visit the tombs of the apostles and martyrs on Sundays and to enter the crypts frequently, where on either side of the visitors, bodies were buried in the walls, dug deep into the earth. St. Jerome was baptized in Rome in 366, but does not give us any details of his conversion. Shortly after his baptism, he went to the city of Trier, and there became acquainted with the ideals of Eastern monasticism. We know that in the year 374, he was living in Aquila in northeastern Italy with a small group of like-minded friends, until disagreements drove them apart, with Jerome heading to the desert in a region south of the city of Aleppo in Syria. It was here that Jerome became more proficient in Greek and Hebrew, while living a very austere and ascetic life. In 382, Jerome was back in Rome and became the secretary to Pope Damasus, who strongly encouraged and supported his efforts to provide a new Latin translation of the sacred scriptures which in time became known as the Vulgate. When Pope Damasus died, Jerome traveled to the Holy Land and eventually settled in Bethlehem where he lived until his death around the year 419. While in Bethlehem, he penned massive works on sacred scripture as well as refuting many strains of the Arian heresy. The Church fondly recalls the memory of St. Jerome each September 30th, noting his living and tender love for sacred scripture. For the saintly translator and commentator of scripture, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. This Sunday we listen to an excerpt from his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, wherein he ponders, Jesus' teaching proclaimed at Mass this Sunday. The podcast description also contains a link to a blog article for this Sunday on the virtue of humility. St. Jerome quotes scripture, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, observe and do everything that they tell you, but do not do according to their works. For they say, and do not do. Unquote. What could be gentler? What could be more kind than the Lord? He is tempted by the Pharisees, their Plots are wretched, and according to the psalmists, the little children's arrows have become their wounds. Nonetheless, on account of the priesthood and the dignity of their office, he exhorts the people to be subject to them and to take into consideration their teaching, but not their works. Now, as for what he says... The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. By seat, he is pointing to the learning of the law. Therefore, we ought to understand this as referring to both what is said in the psalm, He does not sit on the seat of pestilence, and He overturned the seats of those selling doves. Quoting Scripture, Jerome continues, They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they are unwilling to move them with their finger. Unquote. This has general application to all teachers who command grand things, but do not do lesser things. Now one should note that the shoulders, finger, burdens, and chains with which the burdens are bound are to be understood spiritually. Quoting Scripture once again, St. Jerome states, But all their works they do are in order to be seen by men. Unquote. Therefore, whoever does anything in order to be seen by men is a scribe and Pharisee. St. Jerome continues to quote sacred scripture. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the first place at feasts, and the first seats in the synagogues, and salutations in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men." Woe to us wretched ones to whom the vices of the Pharisees have passed. The Lord, when he gave the commandments of the law through Moses, added at the end, you will bind these on your hand and they will be unmoved before your eyes. And this is the meaning My precepts are in your hand that they might be fulfilled in conduct. Let them be before your eyes for you to meditate on them day and night. The Pharisees, interpreting this perversely, wrote on small parchments the Decalogue of Moses, that is, the ten words of the law. Folding them up, They even bound them to their forehead and made a crown, so to speak, on their head, so that they would always be moving before their eyes. The Indians and Babylonians do this up to the present day, and among people, the one who has this crown is judged as religious. Moses had commanded something else, too that in the four corners of the robes they should make crimson fringes to distinguish the people of Israel. Thus, just as circumcision gives the sign of the Jewish nation in the bodies, so in their clothing has some differentiation. Superstitious teachers who were desirous of publicity among the people and seeking a profit from little women, made their fringes long and bound very sharp thorns to them. They did this, evidently, so that as they walked about and sat down, they might at times be pricked, and by this reminder, as it were, they would be drawn back to their duties towards God and ministries in this service. When the Lord had said, all their works they do in order to be seen by men, he was making a general accusation, but now he divides it into parts. They called those little depictions of the Decalogue phylacteries, because whoever had them had his own protection and fortification, as it were. Now, the Pharisees did not understand that these things need to be carried in the heart, not in the body. But chests and boxes hold books and do not have the knowledge of God. Among us, there are superstitious little women who keep doing this up to the present day with little gospels and with the wood of the cross and things of this sort. They have zeal for God, to be sure, but not according to knowledge. Straining out a gnat, they swallow a camel. There was a small and short fringe of this sort that had been commanded from the law. That woman who had the flowing of blood touched it on the Lord's robe, but she was not pricked by the superstitious thorns of the Pharisees. Rather... She was healed by contact with him. And since they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long in vain, since they desire glory from men, they are exposed in the remaining matters. Why do they seek the first places at dinners and the first seats in the synagogues? Why do they pursue gluttony and glory in public? Why are they called rabbi by men? In the Latin language, rabbi means teacher. Finally, he adds, quoting sacred scripture, But you are not to be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. And do not call anyone your father on earth. For one is your Father who is in heaven. Nor shall you be called teachers, for your teacher is one, the Christ. Unquote. No other should be called teacher or father, except God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, because from him all things are. Teacher, Because through him are all things, or because by his dispensation in the flesh, we have all been reconciled to God. It is asked why, in contradiction to this command, the apostle claims that he is the teacher of the Gentiles. Or, how is it that in common language, especially in the monasteries of Palestine and Egypt, they call one another father. This is resolved in the following manner. It is one thing to be a father or teacher by nature, something else to be one by tender feeling. If we call a man father, we are conferring honor to his age we are not pointing out the creator of our life. One is called a teacher, too, by one's association with the true teacher. And lest I repeat things without end, just as the one God and the one Son by nature does not prejudice others from being called gods and sons by adoption, so also one Father and Teacher does not prejudice others from being called fathers and teachers in an improper sense. Saint Jerome of Bethlehem, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, by whose gift your faithful offer you right and praiseworthy service, grant, we pray, that we may hasten without stumbling to receive the things you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.